You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. It's always a good idea to never forget the day of salvation. Always keep it fresh before you. Helped you along the journey of life. Amen. It was September 14, 1986. My grandmother, who's with the Lord now, invited me to church. I lived in Salinas, but I worked here in Sunnyvale. She lived in Sunnyvale. As a good grandson, I always go there for lunch. Amen. <laughs> I was cheap. All right. But uh, one of those Saturdays, I was working overtime, and she said, you're not doing anything tomorrow, why don't you come to church with me? And I wasn't doing anything, and I'm glad I did. Dr. Curtis Hudson preached that day, that morning. I still don't remember what he preached. I remember the invitation, though. I remember being so convicted that I was a sinner. I knew I was. I knew that. Nobody had to convince me I was a sinner. I was no good. And yet, somebody told me about Jesus. And I'm so glad that somebody did. He told me that Jesus died on the cross. He told me that I could go to heaven when I die. I am unworthy. And yet, if I would just receive him, he would give me eternal life. I am so thankful for that day. I've not been all I should be. I'm the first one to tell you I'm not perfect. But I've been forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven. And I'm glad of that. Amen. Praise God. Don't ever get used to the fact that you're on your way to heaven. Don't ever get over the fact that Jesus stepped down from heaven. And reached down to our sorry soul and saved us. Never get over that. And never get used to the fact that we're on our way to heaven. And we're not going to die and go to hell. And it's all God's grace and it's all God's mercy that we're going to heaven. It's all God's grace that we're even a part of this church. It's all God's grace, the life that is given to us. Amen. It's all of God. I'm, thank God. I'm thankful for that. That's not in the outline. Amen. But praise God. Hallelujah. The Bible says, Revelation, let, let me read that. Please, if you read along with me, Revelation chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw that holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life 
freely. He that overcometh inherit, uh, shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto, um, unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven uh, last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, yeah. descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal." And had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and, ha and, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the, uh, with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, 140 and four cubits according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, a fourth an emerald, the fifth sardinus, and the sixth sar uh, sardius, the seventh uh, uh, chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth a chrysopolis, uh, however you say that, sorry, uh, I think I said that right, and the eleventh a jacinth, and twelve an amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls, every several gate was of one pearl, and the, the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb of the temple in it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth to bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river, a water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street thereof, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded their fruit every month. And the leaf But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for salvation. I thank you for that day. I didn't deserve it. But I heard the gospel one more time. And I believe it would have been the last time had I rejected you. But one more time, you were gracious and extended mercy. I thank you for salvation. And I thank you for the Christian life. 
it is the best life we can ever live. Thank you for our church, our pastor, the leadership that you've given here. And I pray, Father, for the word of God today, tonight, that you would bless. I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would speak to our hearts. And God, without you, I can do nothing. But I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And I pray, dear God, that you would glorify your worthy name. Tonight, draw us closer to thee. Help us to live for thee. Thank you again for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Heaven is such a wonderful place. What we read just gives us a little glimpse of what heaven will be like. You know, as wonderful as heaven is, it would seem that not many messages are dedicated to it. And, and probably that's because Jesus mentions hell seven times more than he does heaven. And also it could be that uh, we can relate more to hell than we can to heaven. We all understand what judgment is. We understand what divine judgment is. And all around us, we see the consequences of bad choices, consequences of sin. We see the results of people going the wrong way, and we understand what suffering is. We understand what sorrow is, what pain is. And all around that, we see that. We are familiar with these things. So when we think of hell, we, really, we have a base of understanding. We can somewhat relate and understand that hell, obviously, and according to the Word of God, is multiplied so much more than that. But at least we have a reference point. We know what pain is, and we know what consequences are, and we know what sorrow is, and we know what separation is, and, and now we know all those things. So we can relate a little bit to what hell is like. When we come to heaven, it is harder to relate. It's harder to relate. We really have nothing on earth to compare it to. We think we do. But the reality of heaven is so much more different than what we experience here on earth. We have no reference point to what heaven is like. We have a very small glimpse of it, but really we have no uh, reference point. Hell, sure, we know what suffering is. We can relate. Heaven, not so much. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, God says this, but but as, is it, uh, as it is written, I, that's our eyes, hath not seen, nor, are, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. God says we've not seen anything on earth that would give us an idea what heaven really is like. It says, I hath not seen. Maybe you've been all over the world and seen everything else there is to see. And God says, even if that's true, your eye hath not seen what God is preparing for us. Not only that, he says, we've not heard anything. Neither, he says, nor ear heard. He says, we have not heard anything on earth that would give us an idea of what heaven is like. And God says, you've not even imagined what heaven is like. There's nothing in your thoughts that could even begin to describe what heaven 
It's like he says, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. Yes, it's easier to relate to hell, but when it comes to heaven, really God says, you've not seen anything that gets us close to what heaven is like. You've not heard anything. And guess what? You've not even thought of anything that would get you an idea of what heaven is really like. It's like describing snow to a person who's never seen it or felt it. Never seen what snow looks like, not in pictures or anything like that. You never really can, uh, can describe it. I remember uh, as, a young, uh, as a young boy in the Philippines, we had, uh, uh, I used to watch Popeye, the cartoon, all right? And that was black and white, and we didn't have flat screen TVs back then. We had TVs that had tubes in it, all right? And so uh, that's what we had. And I remember Popeye, and there's a character there. I think his name is Sweeney, I'm not sure. But he was the one that loved hamburgers. And I, says, I, I think he said, I'll give you a, do, a dollar tomorrow for a hamburger today or something like that. Okay? And I used to watch that. I says, I wonder what a hamburger tastes like. <laughs> I never had it. I mean, we never went to any place there in the Philippines where they served hamburgers. Okay? And so I, watched, I used to watch that, watch that. I says, I, and I formed in my mind what a hamburger tasted like. I said, what it, what it might be. You know, and then God allowed us the privilege to be here and come to America. And guess one of the first things I wanted to taste was a hamburger, amen? <laughs> and so I, we went, I think it was McDonald's or whatever it was, either McDonald's or Burger King, I can't remember. But I remember biting into it and I said, hmm, it's not really what I thought it was. <laughs> In my mind, I had this, and uh, you know, and I, I bit on it. I says, "Hmm, okay." So that's what a hamburger is, okay? And I start wondering why did that guy like hamburger so much? But <laughs> and so, uh, but in and out, brother, in, in and out. There you go. And so it's like it, it's hard to grasp. God says, nonetheless, heaven is a very important subject for the Christian. Our faith. And our hope is tied to the reality of heaven. It's the basis, or at least it should be. It's the basis of what we do. It should be the basis of why we do what we do. The reality of heaven. Christians before, uh, who lived before us looked at life differently because of what they believed about heaven. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, we all know that chapter there, uh, the great hall of faith. These are men and women that God said had a good report and God was pleased with their lives. You know, those men and women had a different outlook on life. And the reason is because they had the hope of heaven. And the Bible says in Hebrews eleven thirteen, these all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. 
And truly, if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is unheavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. He said they were not looking for an earthly city, the Bible says. They were looking for a heavenly city. If it was an earthly city, they would have went back back then. But that's not what they were looking for. They were looking for a heavenly city whose builder and maker is God. They considered themselves foreigners. That means strangers here on earth. Uh, they knew that they were not home yet. They were pilgrims. They were on a journey. This is not our final destination. We are headed somewhere else, uh, they, they said. Not settled, but headed in a final this destination. They sought a better country, a heavenly home, God said. Because of what they believed heaven is. What is heaven like? We normally think of heaven as a place far away that we go to, but the truth is heaven is a lot closer than we think. Yes, the heaven where God dwells right now is very far away. Bible talks about three, three levels of heaven. He heaven, the atmosphere, uh, the, uh, the sky, and then heaven is also called the atmosphere, the, the, where the planets are. And then after that, in the sides of the north, that's heaven, the throne of God, where God lives. Yes, heaven in that sense is very far away. But the heaven where we will live with God for all eternity actually comes to us. It will be right here on planet earth. Right here. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons are ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And the Bible says in Revelation 21.1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. We normally say, you know what, I'm going to heaven. But it's more accurate to say, heaven is coming to me. Heaven is coming to me. One of these days, God is going to destroy this sin-cursed world. By the way, that's why we should not live for this world. Whatever you live for in this world will stay here and get burned up someday. And it's not going to matter much for all eternity, by the way. Everything stays. Everything gets burned up. One of these days, God is going to destroy this world and from the ashes create a new heaven and a new earth. And the Bible says, New Jerusalem, that heavenly city. Our eternal home will come down to earth. Revelation 21, 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself 
shall be with them and be their God. One of these days, that heavenly city is going to come down here on earth. The new heaven and new earth. And God says, we're going to live with God for all eternity right here. This planet right here. Heaven's a lot closer than we think. By the way, may I say this? Heaven is more about a person than the place. Yes, it said in John 14, 6, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare for a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. God says that it is a place. But it's more than just a place. It's a person. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Philippians 1.23, for I am in a strait. I says, I, I'm in a dilemma here. I don't know, what's I don't know what to do. It says, uh, uh, for I'm in a strait between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We shall ever be with the Lord, they say. Revelation 21, verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. You know, heaven is more than just a place. Yes, it is a wonderful place. But it's more than just a place. It's who's there. Jesus is there. Someone gave this illustration to drive this point home. Let's just say there's a, a wife of a prisoner of war, a POW, and she hasn't seen her husband for many years now. And uh, she did what she could. She knew she, he was alive, and she tried every which way to try to get him released. And then one day, she gets the news. The two countries have agreed and say, yes, we're going to have an uh, exchange of prisoners. And your husband is one of them. And so they, she was all excited about that, and they get all the details, and they say, you know what? Uh, we're going we're gonna to release him, well, and a uh, agreed place to release him is Hawaii. And so she flies there, anticipating the moment when she would once again see her husband after so many years. Hawaii is a beautiful place. We've had the privilege to be there. It's a wonderful place. But you know what? To this wife, that is secondary. Why? She's going to see her husband that she's not seen for many years. Hawaii was a beautiful place, but it's not about the place. It's about who she's going to see in that place. You see, you put her husband anywhere in the world. It could be the dumpiest place in the world. And guess what? It's not about the place. It's about who she's going to see in that place. You see, heaven is wonderful because not the place necessarily. Though it is a wonderful place to be, it is because who is going to be there? Amen. And Jesus himself is going to be there. And God himself is going to dwell with us. 
You see, heaven is all about our God and our Savior. Yes, it's a wonderful place. But what makes it worth the trip is who will be there. I understand that to some here, that might not be as exciting to you as to, to some others. I get that. As a young Christian, I don't think I would have been excited so much about meeting Jesus. I think I was more in, uh, uh, excited about the place. But as you get to know Jesus, you get to get more excited about the person. I'm so glad I'm a Christian. Oh, I'm not perfect, I know that, but I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad that I have eternal life. I'm so glad that Jesus loved me. Oh, God brought me to the place where I thought, you know what? Nobody really cares. Nobody really cares. Oh, the then I heard the gospel. And I understood that when all else and all everybody else seems not to care, Jesus cared. He cared so much he died on the cross for my sin. Oh, I hope I'll never get over that. I want to go to heaven not because of the place. Oh, it's because of the person in that place. What a wonderful Savior we have. What a great God we have. I don't deserve the least of His mercies. But I'm so glad God saved me. I'm so glad He loved me. Oh, I'm so glad He's coming back again. Take me to be with Him. Oh, my. We can never brag enough of Jesus Christ. We can never praise Him enough. Amen. Oh, what a Savior we have. Oh, what a wonderful Savior. Jesus is the greatest name I know. The sweetest name I know. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. What a wonderful place. But what a wonderful person. It's the person, not the place. Our next point goes along with that. Heaven is what God is. Much of what we know about heaven is what God is. His character. The Bible says in Isaiah 6, 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried uh, to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of glory. The Bible says God is holy. And then God describes heaven. Revelation 21, 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. God is holy. Heaven is holy. Isaiah 33, 17. Thine eyes shall see the king, shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. God, the Bible says, is beautiful. And then we see this about heaven. 
And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like upon a stone and most precious, even like jasper stone, clear as crystal. We read that a while ago and talks about the foundations of heaven and the garnish with all precious stones and all that. Our king has beauty. And so does heaven. God is the epitome of beauty. And we find that heaven is a beautiful place. 1 Timothy 1.17 Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Isaiah 9.6 For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Micah 5.2 But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall, shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. John chapter 8 verse 58. Jesus said unto them. Verily, verily I say unto you. Before Abraham was. I am. God has been from eternal. From eternal. From eternity. Everlasting. And then Revelation 21 4. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. God is eternal, and so is heaven. Isaiah 6, 60, verse 1, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. That's talking about the sun rising up on Israel. Isaiah 60, verse 19, The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither by, uh, by, for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God, thy glory. Jesus said, John 8, 12, Then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. God is light. And we see Revelation 21, verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the lamp, light thereof. Heaven is what God is. Ze Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save thee. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Imagine that God singing. Isaiah 62.4, Thou shalt no more be uh, termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hesiba, and thy land Beulah, for the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. Uh, for as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee, and as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. For behold, I see, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. 
but be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem, a rejoicing, and her people a joy. Then I will rejoice in Jerusalem, and joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. God is a rejoicing God. God is a happy God. God is a singing God. We don't see much about that in the, in the Bible, but God sings. Amen. Jesus at one time, uh, when he was here on earth, sang with his disciples. They sang in him, the Bible says. And God talks about rejoicing over his people and having joy. Heaven's the same way. Revelation 19, 6, and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters. And as the voice of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife hath made herself ready. Heaven is more about the person than the place. Heaven is what God is. You look up what God is. That's what heaven's going to be like. Heaven is a place of reunion. Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ. And shall reign with him a thousand years. The believers have gone on before us in death are merely asleep. They're waiting for the first resurrection. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's coming a reunion day, amen. And those who preceded us in death who are saved are in heaven, and God's going to bring them with him. And one of these days we get to see them again. Heaven is a place of reunion. Heaven is more about the person than the place. Heaven is what God is. Heaven is a place of reunion. Heaven is a place of activity. Yes, it's true that heaven will be a place of rest. But it's not the rest that we're thinking about. Just sitting around doing nothing. That's not rest. That's discouraging, actually. That gets old after a while. Amen. We'll have rest from the curse of sin, but we will have work to do. You know, before the fall, Adam and Eve had a job. God created them and says, go keep the garden. That was the job. Before the fall, they had something to do. Heaven is a restoration of the conditions of creation in the beginning. We will be busy, but in a perfect world. I can't even begin to imagine how that would be. I mean, to actually be perfect in everything you do. I mean, I can't relate. Hey, man, why? None of us are perfect. I don't know what it feels like to be perfect. Bruce Shilton does, but he's a liar. Hey, man. But none of us, none of us here say, you know what? I'm sorry, but you know, I, I just want to say humbly that uh, I actually know what perfection is. 
you're a jerk. All right. You don't know what you're talking about. No, we'll never know what perfection is. Oh, but in heaven, imagine that. Perfect conditions. Working with perfect bodies. Man, that's something else. We'll be busy. What that service means, I'm not exactly sure, but we will be busy. Revelation 5.10, And has made unto us, uh, uh, us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. That means we're going to rule on the earth. Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. I get that, the millennial reign. Okay, yeah, we're going to rule and reign. But Barbara that's just a thousand years. But it goes on. Revelation 22, verse 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they, that's the servants, shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, the, the servants' foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they, that's the servants, need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord giveth them, that's the servants' light, and they, that's the servant, shall reign forever and ever. I don't know about you, but I take the Bible literally. And when God says, I'm going to reign forever and ever, there must be something to do for all eternity. Amen. We're not just going to reign during the millennial period. We're going to reign forever, the Bible says. Not only will we serve Him forever and reign with Him, we will worship God forever. Revelation 4, 9, And when this beast give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And again, I must admit, as a young Christian, I, I, I used to think, you know what? Is this all we're going to do for all eternity? Just going to worship God? Honestly. And I said, how boring that would be. By the way, I was not, now I was not in this church. I was attending another church that was boring. And that's what I thought. I said, you know, if this is what worship is, it's going to be a long time. But then as I grew in Christ, and I realize who Jesus is. Like I said, I don't think we'll have enough time in eternity to praise him like we should. I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God. And for all eternity, I'm going to be reminded of the fact that I'm in heaven because of the nails that were placed in his hands. And I'll see the hole on his side. And the hole in his feet. And I realize I'm in that wonderful place. All because he loved me. I didn't deserve it. By the way, God never owed us Calvary. I think we get so uh, 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 ungrateful sometimes. We think God owed us. God never owed us. God is a holy God. And God could have just condemned us all to hell. But you know what? God is a merciful God. And God is a loving God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And for all eternity, I'll be there realizing that God 
did that for me because he loved me. It's not going to be boring worshiping God. By the way, it's not boring worshiping God. You see, the church really was not boring. It was me. If I would just think of who Jesus is, the songs would mean a lot more. The preaching would mean a lot more because of who Jesus is. Heaven is a wonderful place. Now, how should we behave as Christians because of heaven? We need to prepare for heaven. If you're here and you're listening, you don't know you're going to heaven, don't wait any longer. By the way, there's no getting saved after you die. You either trust Christ as your Savior now and guarantee a place in heaven, or if you die without trusting Christ as your Savior, you will go to hell. That's not what I say. That's what the Bible says. God does not apologize for the gospel. There is only one way to heaven. But you say, you're going to offend the Muslims, and you're going to offend other religions, and you're going to offend all these other people that don't believe in God like you do. Well, let them get offended. God does not apologize for the gospel. He doesn't say, well, you know what? It is one of the ways, unless that offends you. Then maybe you can go another way. Oh, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is only one way to heaven. And that is to put our faith and trust in Christ alone. I can't save myself because I'm a sinner. And as a sinner, I deserve to be separated from God in the lake of fire. The wages of sin is death. That's why Jesus had to come from heaven to die on Calvary because he's the only one that was born on earth who had never sinned. And because of his perfection, I'm perfect. Not the other way around. There's nothing I can offer to God for him to save me. I'm going to heaven because when God looks at me, he has to see past Jesus. I'm covered by his blood. And I, and I look to God as if I've never sinned. So what should we do? Well, first of all, we need to prepare to be there. Get saved. Secondly, invest in heaven. We, we talk about giving all the time. You know what that's all about? It is investment for the place where we're going. If we're saved, you will see the return on investment, not here, but in heaven. But if you never invest in the work of God, and we're talking about money, yes. Money gets people saved, amen? Because it sends out missionaries, sends out the bus ministry. It, sends, get, uh, it purchases tracks so we can get, uh, yeah, talk to people about salvation. Yes, money does help get the gospel out. So invest in the gospel. And then, secondly, go yourself and tell others about this place called heaven. Next, get busy serving God now. You know, there's some things that you can only do on earth. I have a Sunday school class. I teach the Bible. I love teaching the Bible. I'll never do that in heaven.
I'll never do that in heaven. My teaching days will be over. Guess who's going to be teaching in heaven? Jesus. And I don't need to be teaching Jesus. Amen. He will be teaching us. I'm not going to be a Sunday school teacher in heaven. I'm not going to be a bus worker in heaven. I'm not going to be a preacher in heaven. I'm not going to be a soul winner in heaven. See, there's no bus ministry. There's no Sunday school in heaven. Everything that we do for God, we do right here while we're still alive. That's why don't waste your life. You've got one opportunity to serve God. God has given us a gift that he wants us to use for him. Don't waste it waiting and say, you know what? Someday I'll serve God. Someday may never come. What God has given you, God has given you for this day, for this life. He gave it to you to serve him here. This life is our opportunity to use them for God. Don't waste it. And then lastly, may I say, examine our priorities. What are we living for? God says in 1 John 2.15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. It all boils down to this. Is there really a heaven? If so, why are we living for this world? Why are we living as if there is no heaven? Why is our priority all about this life? All about what we can get here instead of what we can send there. What are we living for? God has given us all a task to do. And nobody's going to do that for you. You have to choose to do it for God. Hebrews eleven twenty four. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. For a season. For a lifetime. That's all. He says, yes, I have all the prestige, the power, the money, possessions, and all that, but it's only for a season. It's only for this life. And it says, I'd rather choose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. What reward is he talking about? It wasn't the reward for this world. He was looking at the next world. That's what he was looking for. If you read Hebrews 11, it talks about all these people that were looking for another country. I'm glad I'm a Christian. I'm glad I live here in America. But I have a better place that I'm going. And my life ought to be lived for that place. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. 
My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one chance to do His will. So give to Jesus all your days. It's the only life that pays for... I forgot the last. <laughs> if you recall, there's only one life. God has given us one life. You're either going to live it for Him or you're going to live it for this world. But there is a heaven. And if there is a heaven, we really have no choice. Let's live for God. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.